Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan. Hey, Fried Fam, it's Sarah here. Maybe you've seen or heard that we're doing a group coaching program around here, and I'm excited to announce that we have a summer group coaching program coming up. We're starting on summer solstice. That's June 21st. We're going to meet on Wednesdays at noon Eastern time, and we're not meeting every week. We've got a bit of a schedule over the course of the summer. Those details are in the show notes. So if you are someone that is feeling low in resources, you're exhausted, and you're curious, book a call with me. I'm happy to do a consultation call with you to help you figure out if this program is right for you. Some of the things that we'll be doing are helping you to identify where some boundaries could benefit you in your life so that it can help restore your resources and make your relationships work for you which also clears resentment. And we're also going to give you permission to let yourself pee when you have to pee, eat when you need to eat, sleep when you need to sleep. These things seem too simple, but they are profound where they, when you're in the place that you're in. So we're going to do that and we're going to help you create a burnout recovery plan that truly meets you where you are with support from the group and support from me. So if this sounds good, check out the links in the show notes and book a call with me so we can chat and make sure it is the right next best step for you. Talk to you soon. You're listening to season six of Fried, the burnout podcast with your host, Kate Donovan. Fried exists to hashtag end burnout culture to help listeners release any shame, blame, guilt, or judgment that you have about burning out and to create spontaneous moments of healing through recognition of shared humanity with other people who have experienced burnout and lived to tell the tale. Fried and its associated Facebook group are free resources provided for you from our hearts. Our paid work includes keynote speaking and one-on-one coaching. You can find information about that at katedonovan.com. And now, here is this week's Healing Packed episode. Hey, Fried Fam. It will come as a surprise to exactly none of you that have been around for a while that I see a correlation between people who have high levels of childhood trauma and later burnout. We've talked about this in various ways over the years on the podcast. In fact, our very first episode, which came out just over four years ago, was on this exact topic. So this shouldn't be a surprise that I've been thinking about this for a long time. It just so happens that I was able to choose the topic I wanted to do for my final paper in my research writing class for biobehavioral health at Penn State. And I chose, surprise, surprise, childhood trauma and how that affects later occupational stress. What are the correlations between those two things? I did this because I am always seeing on LinkedIn this idea that the workplace is totally responsible for burnout. And if we just fix workplaces, then everything will be better for everybody. 
And I have a sneaking suspicion that that's just not true. I have a sneaking suspicion that we could fix workplaces and we would end up bringing our traumatized selves to work anyway and still engage in practices like perfectionism and people pleasing that would drain us and burn us out. I don't think it is a bad idea to look at the workplace causes and look at systemic causes and try to change them and fix them over time so that they affect us less because they are absolutely part of the story, if not most of the story. But they're not the whole story. And so my fight in the world of burnout is always trying to explain to people that while some of the things that happen in the workplace absolutely are problematic and should not be happening and absolutely create vulnerabilities to burnout. Those things also only exacerbate problems that we bring in at the same time. So this is these are overlapping problems. The other issue that I have with talking about one part of this over the other with only talking about fixing the workplace is that that leaves behind everybody that listens to this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, it's likely because you're already burnt out. And if you're already burnt out, waiting for systemic change in your workplace is not an acceptable answer. So we need to be doing enough research and to have enough ways to help people recover from the burnout they already have instead of asking them to wait until their workplace gets their shit together. I want this burnout prevention. I want people to be doing this work. I want organizational psychologists to be focusing on improving workplaces so that they are more psychologically safe. I do some of that work myself. I coach leaders through burnout so that they are not spreading burnout through their teams and through their companies, right? I know that this work is important. And also, if you're already burnt out, that work is way too little too late. So, Please know if you're here and you're new around here, Fried exists for the purpose of serving you up burnout recovery. Fried is a burnout recovery podcast. That is what we are focused on. That is the coaching that we do here at Fried. The keynotes that I give are also focused on burnout recovery. That's everything that we do here. Now, that being said, if the problem is childhood trauma, then what do we do to recover, (laughs) right? There are ways, so don't worry about that. But what I want to introduce to you is some of the research I found while I was writing this paper that connects adverse childhood experiences. These are called ACEs, A-C-E, small s, big A, big C, big E, small s, ACEs, scores, and interruptions in brain development and your stress hormones and all sorts of things that might make it more complicated for you and more difficult for you to show up in a resilient, flexible way in your life and at work. There are a couple key factors that I think are really important that you should know. The first one is this, what ACEs are, right? What adverse childhood experiences are at all. Adverse childhood experiences are any type of abuse or neglect that you experienced or witnessed. So you don't have to be the quote unquote like direct victim of abuse or neglect for it to affect you and your physical and emotional and mental health later on in life. It is also considered an adverse childhood experience if you had someone that had a mental illness in the home, someone who had a chronic illness in the home, someone who had a substance abuse problem in the home, and yes, this includes alcoholics, whether they were treated or untreated or recognized their problem or not. 
All of these things add up to adverse childhood experiences. I am putting some links in the show notes. There is a there's a lot of different sort of short quizzes you can take. Usually adverse childhood experiences are a series of 10 questions and everything that you answer yes to counts as one point. Every single point on the scale will affect you. So if you have one point on the ACEs scale, then you'll have some sort of shift related to it in your life. If you have four points and higher, you will have stronger relationships to things that happened earlier in your life and the way that your life is functioning later. So you can take this quiz. There's also a link to the CDC page on adverse childhood experiences explaining a little bit more about what they are and how they change things and what effects they have and what we can do about it, etc. I truly believe that if we spend more time helping families to live healthier with one another, that is the way we eliminate burnout long term. That's the way we really hashtag end burnout culture. All right, so number one is what are ACEs? So that's what ACEs are. Number two is that in a dose-response relationship, dose-response relationship means if you have one pill, it makes you a little bit better. If you have 10 pills, it makes you a lot better or worse. ACEs are if you have one, it makes you a little bit worse. If you have 10, it makes you a lot worse. So for every single increase in dose, there is an increase in response level. Now, one of the things that has been measured over and over again in the research is that there are interruptions to proper brain development when you experience adverse childhood experiences. These changes in brain development are nearly the same ones as we see with long-term chronic stress, which means that the prefrontal cortices, which are just behind your forehead, are smaller than they're supposed to be. So they have either in chronic stress, we say that they lost volume with ACEs. They say that volume never really developed. Whether you lost volume or whether that volume never developed or both or neither or both, that part of your brain is responsible for what's called executive functioning, which we call adulting around these parts. Executive functioning is a series of life skills mostly that you learn during childhood, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, that allow you to function in polite society. They are your ability to wait in line. You know, this is inhibitory control. This is your ability to not react impulsively in various situations. This is your ability to plan, listen to, and remember multi-step directions. This is your ability to do something called task initiation, which means that you can start a new task without too much trouble. If you've ever had trouble sitting down and focusing on something new, you, you can feel this physically in your body, this difficulty of task initiation. It helps you motivate. It helps you focus. It helps you make decisions. Right, so executive functioning really just helps you adult, helps you function in your day-to-day -day life. Now, this is also interrupted in ADHD. ACEs and ADHD are also correlated. ADHD and burnout are also correlated. Are we seeing patterns here? There are other brain development things that are noticed with ACEs, but I wanted to just give you some 
base overall things to look at so that you understand why I think that these things are so important to look at and why I think it's important to understand that if your childhood has decreased your overall capacity for stress, then our goal during burnout recovery will be A, return you to health, B, increase your capacity to stress. However, we might be a little bit limited. So if everybody else can do 100 units of stress and you with your brain development and other things that happened as you were growing because of traumatic experiences have 60%, we might get you to 80%, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to handle the same amount of stress as Sally down the street. You have to, over time, learn to gauge your own capacity and respect yourself enough to work within it. That's really critical. The number three thing that I want you to know, the first thing was what ACEs are. The second thing was that ACEs lead to brain development changes. The third thing is that ACEs are also correlated to changes in cortisol. So that's the stress hormone changes to glucocorticoid receptors in the brain. This is also part of the stress response. You don't need to know this. This is not a science test, but there's not enough receptors in the brain for a particular neurotransmitter, which makes the stress cycle harder to cycle. And also changes in serotonin production and serotonin receptor production. So not only will you have less serotonin in your body overall, but you will have less receptors in your brain and in your gut for that serotonin. Even if you increase the amount of serotonin you have in your body, maybe you are taking an SSRI like Prozac or something like this, it might not be able to, it might put more serotonin in your body, but you might not have enough receptors to use it well. Pride fam, I tell you in nearly every episode that step one of your burnout recovery is blood work. And I know that a lot of you avoid it because it's a pain and because your doctor has told you that everything is quote unquote fine. And they refuse to test all the things that you think you need. What if I told you that you could test what you want, when you want, from your home with just a couple of drops of blood? Cyfox Health allows you to do just that. You can buy tests as one-offs or join a membership. Either way, you can test and track your results to help you make decisions about your burnout recovery journey. Get 10% off any membership, subscription, or one-time test kit right now. Go to scifoxhealth.com forward slash fried for your discount. That's S-I-P-H-O-X health.com forward slash fried. Right. So these all of these changes happen on a genetic level. These are what are called epigenetic changes. And I want you to think about them like this. There's what what happens is something called a methyl group adds to a gene. A methyl group, I think, is a carbon and two hydrogens, but that's or three. It doesn't really matter. Um CH3, yeah, I think so. So a carbon and three hydrogens. It gets added to your gene and gets used as a volume button almost. So the gene that's responsible for making serotonin receptors, this methyl group will attach to it. 
in response to some sort of trauma, and it will turn the volume down on your ability to produce these receptors. Now, we have seen in various pieces of science, most of it animal science and not yet human science, that some of these epigenetic changes can be reversed. But we have to assume that our body is trying to do something for us. So when we see this change and our body is doing this for us, it's doing it for a reason. Most of the changes that happen in our body, especially the initial reactions to situations, are adaptive reactions. Our body does things to protect us, to, well, to protect itself, to keep itself alive, to work on survival, right? So we have to assume that there's some sort of adaptive portion of this. We just don't know enough about this science yet to say, do we need to get rid of this? Do we need to change this? Do we need to understand why this is adaptive? We also don't know, like in some people, it's different. So some people end up with higher levels of cortisol with long-term stress. And most people from the research we see end up with lower levels of cortisol from long-term stress. This might be different from what you've heard in the general population. People that don't know a lot about stress but talk about it a lot say, oh, you have a lot of stress, your cortisol is high. That's not necessarily true. Your cortisol can be too low when you have a lot of stress. And that can be because of these changes to your genes. All of this to say that adverse childhood experiences have various effects on the actual neurochemicals and hormones of your stress response and the structures that they attach to, and that interrupts your stress cycle somehow. There is some sort of dysfunction there. There is not always a consistent dysfunction. It is different across the board. It is different based on sometimes they, they see some correlations between sexual trauma has a similar response and emotional trauma has a similar response. However, that's not always true across the board either. So there, this is this stress science and what's going on right now is really the wild, wild west. There's only so much that we know. And I'm giving you what we have so far, but none of this is like set in stone or gold. And we are going to continue more. It might be five years from now. I might be recording an entirely different episode. But this is what we know right now. So the first thing is what are ACEs? The second are that ACEs interfere with brain development. The third is that ACEs interfere with stress function and stress regulation in your body. The last thing I want to talk to you about today is that high ACE scores are also highly correlated with emotional dysregulation. So that's part of executive functioning, but also with high levels of shame. And those high levels of shame really cloud your ability to function well later in life and add a layer of A, I'm unworthy, and B, everything is my fault. Like those colored glasses, if you put on glasses that just said like everything's my fault and I am, I am unworthy, that's what it and then looked through them every single day, all day long. That's how people with high levels of ACEs that are related to high level of shame feel on a day to day basis. The reason that this is so problematic is because people that have these high levels of shame blame themselves, feel at fault for every situation that goes wrong, can find themselves in seriously toxic situations that they don't recognize as toxic, which means they make no effort to leave the situation because they don't see anything as wrong besides themselves. 
So they will continue to try to work on themselves and change themselves and adjust themselves and try to fit in and try to help their boss and try to help their coworkers and try to fix everything all the time to no avail. This is one of the biggest problems I believe that we're having in burnout right now. It is extremely difficult to show someone that has never believed that outside experiences are anything but their fault, that this particular situation is not their fault. And no matter how much they pretzel themselves, they're not going to change it and that they can choose different environments that they can thrive in better. This one really breaks my heart because there's this is the question of like, well, if you hate it so much, why don't you just leave? Well, because it's not that simple. Because your brain isn't saying, oh, this isn't good for me. I should get out of this. Your brain is saying, if I could just figure out the right way to talk to that person, I could fix this. If I could just sell a little bit more, if I could just do one more class to figure out how to write that email better, if I could just, you have this constant internal, if I do more, I can fix it. And and convincing people to see it another way is really hard. This is one of the areas where if you got on the phone with me and I suspected that this was part of the problem and you were saying, well, I'd like to start coaching. When can we begin? I would say go to therapy. I am not a therapist. I understand this shame mechanism, but I'm not the one you should be working it out with. Sometimes we do therapy and coaching side by side. I really enjoy that. I love working with therapists. But when when we have that level of shame, you need to handle that first and you need to handle that with a professional. So if you're listening to this right now and it's hitting you hard and you've been considering burnout coaching, like please go get a therapist first. Come to me after. Come to hang out with us after and we will deal with whatever is left over from that. But you do need to unwind those feelings of shame and input a feeling of deservedness so that you can look at the situation through fresh eyes and realize that it can change and you are not stuck here and this is not your fault. All right. You need an objective outsider to help you through this. This is not something you are likely to figure out on your own. You will need support with it 100%. Now, there is good news in all of this. And the good news is that there are also buffers that happen during childhood and later in life that can prevent some of these effects from coming into play. So one of these buffers is positive childhood experiences. And positive childhood experiences are things like having a supportive family member, having responsive parents, one or the other, the mother, father, two mothers, doesn't matter. Having a responsive parent, someone who is in tune with your needs, who responds to your cues, can help prevent some of the effects of ACEs scores. Also, having a large social community, a large amount of social support has been shown to shift away from some of these 
changes that are related to ACEs scores. And this can be like if you have a non-toxic, like really supportive religious community that can help. If you have an amazing neighborhood that you're a part of, that can help. If you happen to have a, a large extended family outside of just your, your immediate family, but you have a large extended family that helps you to feel safe, that can really make a big difference. And another thing that makes a big difference is learning emotional regulation. And you can learn this at any time. Emotional regulation is really quite often the thing that's being taught in corporate learning sessions that are about resilience and stress management, et cetera. And people often say, well, you can't give me one session and like expect to change the office environment. No, absolutely not. But sometimes those sessions have some emotional regulation techniques that if you actually practiced them could absolutely change your life. So please don't poo-poo those sessions, first of all, because I give them. And second of all, because they can be effective if you're willing to implement the changes. Okay? So that was a lot of science. I tried to do it in a super simple way, and I hope that it was easy for you to understand. The most important message today is that your stress response system and your ability to function like an adult and make good decisions and etc. could be affected by things that happened in childhood that either you don't remember, don't want to remember, are trying to forget, or can't get out of your head. And if your stress response system is not working the way that it's supposed to, you are going to be more likely to burn out because you cannot manage stress the way that other people can. You can't manage your emotions the way that other people can. And you don't see situations clearly and objectively in a way that would allow you to make positive, easy decisions for yourself about whether you should quit, whether you should grit, or what you should do. This is the main reason that I personally say that burnout is not your fault. While workplace factors make it worse. So if you have these adverse childhood experiences, they cause you to create some coping mechanisms and your stress response system isn't working and you go into a workplace that is exploitative, rude, and has a bully, of course there's going to be more burnout. The more factors that we have at play, the more burnout we're going to see. So there are workplace factors, there are personal factors, but those personal factors are not your fault. You still have to be the one to deal with them because nobody can do it for you, but they are not your fault. So I hope that this episode helped you to see that might one of the reasons that you look around and say, well, so-and-so can handle it and so-and-so can handle it. Why can't I? This might be why, right? This might be why. I hope you find that helpful. Burnout is not your fault. You do deserve better. And if you need an objective third party to help you look at your life and say, am I crazy for feeling like I'm feeling? Let us know. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. And if your company needs a workshop that will actually teach you something about how to utilize the stress response system well, even if you had previous trauma, let me know. That's what I do. And I'm ready for you. Until next time.
Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan.